Why don't you turn with me to Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1. Long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And now in these final days, he has spoken to us through his son. God promised everything to the son as an inheritance. And through the son, he created the universe. The son radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. And he sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. When he had cleansed us from our sins, he sat down in the place of honor and the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. Let's bow our heads for one moment. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is spirit and it is life. My prayer tonight, Lord, is all of those who have not come and discovered you tonight will. And those who have drifted off the path of life, I pray you'll reach out your loving right hand of grace and you'll say, come home, my son. Come home, my daughter. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Can you turn my microphone down very, very slightly, please, technical team? I'm booming a little bit down here. I had the fortunate, or should I say maybe unfortunate, experience a couple years ago to go visit Auschwitz in Poland. I came to discover and see with my own eyes the barbarity of mankind when it loses its sense of orientation and drifts off on its own path. I read in an article not so long after this that really spoke to me, having seen what I saw, of a man called Andrus Thoma. Andrus Thoma was a man, a young soldier actually of the age of 25 years old, and in 1945 he got taken captive by the Red Army, the Russians. He was taken to a psychiatric hospital, and there he remained for 50 years. Andrus Thoma was believed to be insane. They believed that he was speaking gibberish. He was making no sense. But left and neglected, he was in that psychiatric hospital for 50 years. He had barely spoken or interacted with anybody during that time. It is believed that they were eventually going to execute Andrus Thomas, but they thought let's give one more chance to this man. And they called in some psychiatrists and they said, would you have a look at him from his native country? And they said, listen, this man isn't speaking gibberish. This man is speaking an old Hungarian dialect. And they called people in to be able to talk to Andrus Thomas. The first time he had engaged in conversation with anybody for many, many years. An old man now, left, beaten, decrepit, and lost. Finally, they went to repatriate him with what they believed to be his family back in Hungary. 
and they wheelchaired him out of that hospital. And the first thing he asked for was a mirror. They brought the mirror to him. And as he brought it to his face, within a couple of seconds, he broke down and wept and wept and wept. He had not seen his own reflection or his true self for 50 years. I've got a few questions that I often ask in my life. I was, like many of us, trying to find a reflection in so much to try and discover what it was in the depth of me, in the depth of my heart. I was trying to find the answers in my ambitions. I was trying to find answers in my physical strength. I was trying to find a reflection and answers with my friends and in my career or maybe in money or maybe at the bottom of a pint glass. But I was looking for this mirror to reflect the true me. Who was I? I remember lying down at bed at night. Life was going well. I was traveling the world. I had money in the bank. I had the nice sports car. I had the nice house. But still, no matter how much I pressed into those things, there was something missing. I remember lying in bed at night, looking up at the ceiling, through the window, up at the stars, and asking myself a few questions. Where am I from? What is my purpose in this life? And when I die, where do we go? What is life really all about? Who am I? Let me ask you a question tonight. What mirrors are you looking into? Where are you trying to find that mirror to reflect who you really are? What your true purpose is? And really that mirror of what's this all about? And when the end is the end, where will I go at the end? Life was going well, as I said, and I was at my brother's wedding. I was best man. What a great honor. I was there in my military regalia, in my fine dress. And I found a lot of my identity in my uniform, in my medals. And in my stripes, I was a young corporal in the Royal Marines. In fact, I was a young instructor to the Royal Marines. In fact, the youngest instructor in the Royal Marines at that time, taking Royal Marines through their training. I remember walking across the dance floor to grab another pint of Guinness, as was my drink of the day back then. And this lady came up to me and she grabbed my arm. And she looked at me up and down. And she said to me, Christopher. Not many people call me Christopher other than my mother. So I was a little bit taken aback by that. She said, so good to see you doing so well for yourself. Well, thanks very much, you know. She said, um... But it's not always been the case, has it? It's as if she could look right through me in that moment. And you know what? She hit right on the spot. 
life hadn't always been that great. In fact, on many, many occasions in my life, beyond just asking those questions, I found myself lost. I found myself questioning many things. And I remember on many, many occasions, certainly through my Royal Marines military training, where I'd cry out to God and reach out to something out there which was God or was there a God? I don't know, but I was reaching out to something. I was reaching out to someone and I was asking for help beyond myself. I remember being in cold holes, wet, hurting, painful, dark days. But something was missing. And I'd cry out to this God and it's almost as if something gave me the strength to get through those certain times and situations in my life. And then when I was out the darkness and I stepped through into an element of light, I'd go on my own way. But I seemed to forget all those times where I was felt lost and reached out and asked God those questions or reached out for something or someone. And this is almost as if I grabbed this God and put him back in the bonnet of the car of my life and just drove on in my merry way. But time and time again, event after event after event, I would hit these potholes and I'd cry out to someone or something. The lady was right. It's not always been that way, has it, Chris? I want you to know, she said, that me and your mum have been praying for you all the time. It's hard to describe to you or explain to you, but it is in that very moment when she said those words, illuminated in my mind's eye and as if before me projected, were all those scenes of my life when I reached out and cried out to that something, to that someone, to that God. And as I saw it, I began to weep myself. I began to weep because I saw that it was this hand of God that picked me up every time that I was in a hole of life, in a cloud of life. It was him who reached out. And even though I put him in the trunk of my car and drove on in my life, whenever I cried out again to this God, to this something, someone out there, he would come and faithfully pick me up again and pick me up again and pick me up again. And no matter how much I shunted him and pushed him out and continued on in my own way, what was bringing me to tears was seeing this hand faithfully picking me up. I was experiencing the unrelenting pursuit of God's love, his faithfulness, his patience, his perseverance for me as if I was the only person on earth to bring me to him. My heart was breaking. Tears started to fill up in my eyes and I thought, I'm a Royal Marine. I can't, this isn't the image we're meant to portray. I need to get out of here, I thought. And I went to run out of the hotel with tears rolling down my eyes and then my mother collared me. And she said, Christopher, and I thought to myself, what is it with this Christopher today? She said, what's the matter with you? 
And I said, Mom, I never realized that all this time it was you, that you were praying for me. And my mum, with like fire in her eyes and with boldness from her heart, five foot something, a beautiful lady of God, looked up to me and poked me in the chest and with a roar said, and yes, and God has not finished with you yet. <laughs> Hallelujah. I want to tell you tonight, wherever you are, whatever season of life, whatever you've done before, whatever you think may lay ahead, God has not finished with you yet. With that, I went running out the hotel. If the waterworks were starting to come then, it really was now. Floods of tears were flooding down me. I can't explain it to you, but it's as if wave after wave of wave of revelation of this faithful, kind, good, powerful, loving, all-knowing God that I was reaching out to from the depth of my being was now knocking on the walls of my heart. I ran down into the men's toilets. I locked myself into the cubicle. I threw myself on the floor on my knees. And to this day, I can never remember crying from the depth of my heart as deep as I did in that moment. There was a longing and there was a hurt flowing out of me. And I said, God, 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 I know the life I'm living is not right I know that. But God, all that I am and everything I am is in that person, is in the identity of that man. There's no way I can pull away from that. I will completely lose myself. But in that, I began to weep all the more. I began to weep because of the love of God and I began to weep because I knew the path I was going down wasn't the path really for me. It wasn't the path of true life and true purpose. I don't know how I knew, but something inside me knew that this isn't right. And as I wept and as I wept and as I cried out to him, my desperation soared and said, God, I cannot do it. But this came the moment. And I said, but will you help me? The moment I said those words and I let go of myself and I said, will you help me? It's as if a hand supernaturally reached out, grabbed me from my innermost being by the scruff of my heart, picked me up and said, yes, son, now let's get going. To that point, to that day, it's not been easy, but I've never Never looked back. His love, his patience, his mercy. He brought me to my knees. I surrendered into his arms and said, I cannot do it on my own. I knew I couldn't get from the path that I was on to the path I knew echoed in my heart to go down. I knew I couldn't do it, but he could. And now I was beginning to put all of my trust into the way maker the one who can make a way, the one who picks you up from the miry clay of life and establishes your feet on the solid rock. I was coming alive. It wasn't easy. 
but I was coming alive. I knew it wouldn't be easy, but at least I found the right direction. I'd got my right orientation. It's as if I was running hard in my life down this one path, and now God just picked me up by the scruff of my heart, turned me around and said, son, we're going to use all that gusto, we're going to use all that heart, all what you've propelled into the military career to get to where you were, I'm going to redirect into the things of me. And he just turned my heart, and he put me on the right path, and now I was away. Now I was running. There was a lot of obstacles to hit. There was many, many challenges to come. But I knew in the depth of my being, I was facing the right way. I was heading towards the correct finish line with God. But I'm a man who was thinking in my mind. I knew in the depth of my heart, I didn't know how it was all true and all right, that there was this God out there who cares for us and who lifted us up. But I wanted to know how this aligns to reality, to the parts of our mind and faculty. How does this all work? I began to study and I began to read and I began to discover. I began to look into the historical evidence of this Jesus, of of this God whose life is in the word of God. And I began to see the great evidence of it. In fact, I discovered that there's over 5,600 plus ancient manuscripts of the evidence to the Bible and Jesus Christ and God and all that he spoke and all that he's done. That this isn't just fairy tales, this is truth and this is life. The most evidence of all of ancient antiquity, many of which you can see in the British Library or around the museums of the world. Wow. Then I began to discover the archaeological evidence that aligned to the Bible and its truth. I thought this is real. I was coming to know that this isn't just pie in the sky, some nice talk or conversation. This is life transforming stuff. I began to discover and learn about the over 500 eyewitnesses to have seen the resurrected Jesus. Yes, he rose from the dead. 500 eyewitnesses, I began to read about the early creeds, the early statements of men and women of God who actually walked with Jesus, who actually touched the resurrected Jesus. Going right back to that point, the things that they had spoken and decreed, a creed about Christ was written down and documented in these ancient manuscripts that we still have to this day. This is truth. This is life. I was getting excited. Everything was lining up. And then I read stories about a man only died 10 years ago, a gentleman called Sir Lionel Look Who. He's in the Guinness Book of Records for winning the most consecutive cases, criminal cases, that he's ever won consecutively, 200 plus. He's in the Guinness Book of Records for winning them. And he looked at all the evidence of Jesus Christ. He got knighted, not once, but twice by Queen Elizabeth. He looked at all the evidence of Jesus Christ. Probably one of the greatest lawyers that has ever walked this earth. And he looked at it all and he said these words. I say unequivocally that the evidence for the resurrection of Jesus Christ is so overwhelming that it compels acceptance by proof which leaves absolutely no room for doubt, 
My life has changed 100 degrees for the good. Probably one of the great thinkers and philosophers of the last century, C.S. Lewis. You'll better know, you're probably better known him by being the author of the Narnia Chronicles. But a great mind said these words. Christianity, if false, is of no real importance. And if true, if true, of infinite importance. The only thing it cannot be is moderately important. Let me tell you tonight, the gospel is true. And it has infinite significance to your life. Not the person to your left, not the person to your right. You. You. It has significant, eternal consequence for you tonight. You cannot moderately sit on the fence. You have a decision to make. It's of infinite importance tonight. You see, Romans 3.23, this Bible, this living material, full of the breath of God for you and I today, says in Romans 3.23, all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. 1 Peter 2.24 says, He personally, Jesus, carried your sins, my sins, in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin but be alive to what is right. John 14.6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus said. John 10.10 says, I came that they may have life and life in its fullness. John 3.16, we know it well, but listen to the depth and power of this for you tonight. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. 2 Corinthians says, today, today, not tomorrow, today, today, today is the day of salvation. And Romans 10.9 says, if you believe in your heart, the Lord Jesus Christ, and you declare with your mouth that he rose from the dead, you shall be saved. If you believe in your mouth, the Lord Jesus, if you believe in your heart, the Lord Jesus Christ, and confess with your mouth that he is Lord, you shall be saved. You come off that fence of moderateness, and you step on to the fence, to the side of true life. I don't believe you are here by chance tonight. I don't believe you've just wandered in off the streets. I believe there's something in your heart that's drawn you and you're here tonight for eternal purpose and significance. We've got to come to our knees before the living God, the creator in the universe tonight. 
we've got to pick up the true mirror. In the book of James, it describes the Word of God of being like a mirror. And this mirror, the Word of the living God, the most manuscripts and historical evidence of all of ancient history, which is truth, which is life, is a mirror to you. When you read it, when you digest it, it's what comes alive in your heart. It's what gives you a hope and it's what gives you a purpose. It's what you put all of your trust in. It's what Christ Jesus died to bring. It is the bread of life. I want every head bowed and every eye closed right now in this building. No one looking around other than the stewards for your own security. But I want to ask you tonight, what side of the fence are you on? Let me ask tonight, are you actually sat on the fence of moderateness? You need to get on the side of the fence of eternal life and the path that leads to life and not the path that leads to destruction. You want to step on the side of the fence and pick up the mirror that's going to speak and reflect the depth of your heart, that's going to reveal to you who you are, where you are truly from, what your purpose is in this life, and ultimately where you go in life after life. This is not just your lot. There's a group of people here tonight that you've asked those three questions in your own life at certain stages. There's times you've been in a trench. There's time you've been in a cold hole in a dark place and you've reached out to someone or something. You're looking for something. You just cannot quite put your finger on it. But you so desire to know the truth, knowing that that truth will set you free. You want to be on the right path and not the wrong path. You want to be on the right side of the fence. Jesus was walking with a religious leader. And he said, we know that you're a teacher who has come from God. For no one can perform the miracles that you have performed if God were not with you. And Jesus said, listen, Nicodemus. No one can enter the kingdom of God, can get on that right side of the fence unless he is born again. We must be born again. I want to ask you tonight with a group of people here, and it may just be one of you tonight. Have you got on the right side of the fence? Have you accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, as your very own Savior and Lord tonight? There's another group of you here tonight, maybe. You've drifted from that path. 
you've tasted the heavenly good. You had felt alive at one stage and you knew on your own path, but you've began to drift. I want to tell you that tonight is the night you're getting back onto the right path. You're getting over onto the right side of the fence. I want to affirm you tonight that even if your sin is as red as scarlet, He will make it as white as snow. Jesus says, I've came that you may have life and life in abundance. He is rich in mercy. There's a third group of you tonight. This is the first time you've heard about this Jesus, about the evidence of it, about the power of it in my heart. You're seeing a reflection in a mirror right now and something resonates with you. Optimism is rising in your heart. Some of you, your hearts are beginning to beat a little bit faster right now because you know this is speaking to you right now. You know God by the Holy Spirit is on your case. But you've got more questions that you want to ask yet. I want to say to you tonight that we're here for you. And God has positioned us here tonight to answer those questions for you. With every head bowed and every eye closed right now in this place, I'm stood here just at the front. And if you fall into any of those three categories, that you've not accepted the Lord Jesus as your Lord and Savior, If you know you've drifted away from him and you need to come back onto the right path tonight. Or if you've got more questions. No one else is looking around. This is just between you and the living God. And that nudge that is knocking on your heart right now. I just want you and nobody else to look up and fix your eyes on me. And I'm going to acknowledge your eyes. I see those eyes. I see those eyes. No one else looking around. Just lift your eyes to me. I see those eyes. Are you sure that if you were to die today, where you would spend eternity? Do you know you've drifted off the wrong path? You're desperate to come home tonight. You can. By taking that step of faith and humbling yourself underneath the mighty right hand of the living God. One more chance to lift your eyes towards me right now and just fix your eyes upon me. Sister, I see you. Hallelujah. 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 